three, two, one. Perfect. And we are live. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Omrapreneur Live podcast, where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs at the top of their game. And today I am joined by none other than brothers Muhammad Sawaf and Usama Sharif. And these are the CEO and CMO of Manzil. And to briefly introduce them, Muhammad Sawaf brings over a decade's worth of experience in the financial services and capital markets sectors. And in, additional, in addition to pursuing his doctorate in Islamic finance in the UK, he's also involved in many community initiatives, is a contributing writer to Islamic finance news, and is the leading Islamic finance authority in Canada, mashallah. So I'm so excited to bring him on. And his latest project with Usama, brother Usama Sharif, Manzil is Canada's first Islamic neobank offering ethically conscious products, halal financing, and investment solutions. And that's honestly something that I've never seen before. It hasn't been done before. And I'm so excited to bring you guys on to have everyone learn about your story and what you guys do. So, salam alaikum, guys. Welcome to this podcast. So happy to have you. Wa alaikum salam, Abby. And uh, we're happy to uh, for you to host us. Alhamdulillah. It's an honor. And honestly, the, the the best way that I love to start it is to learn more about you guys before we dive in. And we'll start with Muhammad and then I'll give you uh, the mic as well, Osama brothers. So Muhammad, tell me a little, about, a little bit about you as an entrepreneur. What got you started with entrepreneurship? What got you started with even being interested in business? Yeah, so the business piece actually kind of came by uh, default and not by design um, because everyone, every at least every Arab or South Asian that goes through high school has this notion of becoming a doctor or an engineer. Uh, and I failed my parents miserably in that respect. Um, they almost disowned me. But, uh, you know, once I, once I uh, completed my life sciences degree at U of T here uh, for my undergrad, it was, it was peak markets in 2007, right? And so I ended up getting into finance. And, you know, when you start to do that introspection, that's, that self-reflection, you're like, well, I've always had a knack for math. I've always had a knack for business. And this is actually where I belong. And, um, and so that's where the entrepreneur path started because I didn't actually go into salary type jobs. They were all sales-based or commission-based. Um, and even my parents got doubly upset at that. They're like, not only did you not become a doctor, but you want to be 100% commissioned. <laughs> um, and so uh, they, uh, you know, e even before I entered the door, it wasn't even bismillah. It was like, did you make any money today? <laughs> and so I had to deal with that for a couple of years. But uh, alhamdulillah, um, you know, all of that worked out. And so, you know, th I think the, the impetus of becoming an entrepreneur or the main uh, skill is really, are you willing to take the risk? Right. And so I learned from uh, very early beginnings that I was always willing to take the risk. And so I just took that risk. I, I nosedived into it. And that's, you know, all of those risks that were taken along the way allowed me to really take on this big risk with Menzel. And Alhamdulillah, we're seeing kind of the fruits of our labors, um, you know, come to fruition. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. That's amazing, brother. And brother Usama, how did you end up stumbling on entrepreneurship? Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and start a business like this? Uh, no, definitely. I mean, I studied engineering. So uh, that, that, See, that, you were the good ones. You satisfied yeah. your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, we, we all went through that, you know, are you going to become a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, you know, pick one, right, uh, situation. But uh, yeah, I studied... Uh, electrical engineering and I went to work for Boeing. I actually grew up in uh, California and I uh, was uh, working for uh, Boeing satellite systems at the time. 
And you can imagine um, 9-11 happened actually wow. uh, back then. So, you know, you put yourself in my shoes. I'm a guy named Osama, uh, you know, that's uh, working for Boeing and 9-11 <laughs> takes place. So it was uh, quite the experience then. Uh, and I remember uh, walking into my cubicle and finding my name cut in half. I mean, wow. most people are oblivious at that point about Islam. It's understandable that they're a bit, you know, reactive and, and scared at that point. But that made me just consider things. I, I wanted to take some uh, time off and I did. I took some time and I traveled. Uh, my boss was very happy to give me all the time off that I wanted after that incident at work. Uh, but it was some time for some self-reflection. And um, I slowly uh, found myself more on the marketing side of things uh, at first. And then slowly found that I, you know, have a knack for generally everything uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, but uh, Muhammad actually reached out to me. I mean, was, I'm very blessed that he did. Uh, wow. At one point, I think uh, our wives uh, went to the same school. Uh, I, I think uh, university or even possibly before that. And she knew about uh, uh, me through my wife. And she might have mentioned something to uh, Muhammad and he reached out. Uh, I think it was Starbucks, our first meeting uh, about men's. Yep. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, I, I, I need a marketing guy. So I said, let's do this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the gist of it. That's amazing, brother. Mashallah. I just wanted to point out that we're having a little thing where I'm not seeing the numbers of the Facebook group live, but I have my team working on that. So we'll get that fixed ASAP, inshallah. But we are live in there and broadcasting. And while that's being fixed, I want to ask you guys, since this is still working very well and going out, what was the idea behind Manzil? I mean, you guys came together. You're from a background of working with Boeing, which is completely unrelated to Islamic finance. <laughs> so how, you know, how, did, how did the idea for Manzil even coming, come about? And you know, what is the vision that started this project? Yeah, take that one. Go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think uh, so. It obviously stemmed from my experience in kind of the the conventional banking system, and that's how I differentiate between Islamic banking and and the the opposite of that, conventional banking. And you know, as as a as a as an entrepreneur in retail banking and wealth management advisory, I thought that the easiest path to you know attract a clientele was you know go with people who you know has, have similar language, similar you know culture, similar religion, similar background. Bring the commonalities together, and then talk about finances. And very early on, it became very apparent that I had nothing to offer them, mm -hmm. uh, and that was really the most upsetting piece. Is I had nothing to offer to them, and I you know would go to the banks and the executives and talk to them about like, hey. There's a whole subset of people here in Canada that can't do what we want them to do because of their religious beliefs, because they can't enter into transactions that pay or receive interest, you know, and that are not structured in a proper way. And then they all said, oh, you know, like we've looked into this. We think there's an opportunity, but like, why are we going to spend all this money just to attract such a small market? Yeah. In my eyes, I'm thinking 1.6 million is like huge, right? But in their eyes, they're looking at, you know, 3% of the population. So it's so small, right? And so, you know, I, I continued on that path and can kind of, you know, was that drummer boy just continually drumming, uh, uh, beating that drum. And then the really what started to happen uh, was when I decided that, you know what, I need to go back to school and I need to just basically take my education to the next level. Because don't forget, I had a life sciences degree. I, I didn't have that corporate finance foundation. Um, so I went to Rotman uh, to do my MBA, and that's actually where I hooked up with 
um, Professor Walid Hijazi, who's a well-known economics professor here in Canada. And he was actually teaching the only Islamic finance course at the graduate level across the country. So I immediately went to him, I'm like, listen, man, like, I'm so thrilled you're doing this. I have so much experience. He's like, okay, why don't you become my TA? And alhamdulillah, like we taught that course, uh, you know, together um, as a co-lecturers for five years. Uh, I became kind of the full-time TA on that. And I learned so much. And that's really where I learned not only how to structure uh, Islamic financial products, but how do we actually localize them? And that's the biggest missing piece, right? Is, you know, I can tell you what a murabaha is. I can tell you what an ijara is or a musharaka. But how does that actually apply in the Canadian context under the regulatory frameworks, you know, the Bank Act of Canada, the Interest Act of Canada, the Mortgage Act of Canada? These are all the things that need to be solved for. And so the MBA then led me to an MSc in corporate governance and finance. And then, of course, led me into my doctorate in Islamic finance, which you alluded to earlier, Abby. But in 2017, I basically said, I got to leave this corporate world, right? Like I was just being super restrictive. I wasn't getting anywhere with you know, this side project of me at least trying to establish an Islamic finance department or even just a product to put into the marketplace to just basically say, hey, let's start to do this thing. And so I then got into another fintech that I wasn't the founder of, but that's where all my world started to converge. And, you know, you know, the piece on like being able to attract people through a digital marketplace um, you know, my background and academically and professionally in, in finance and Islamic finance. So I was like, wow, like, why don't we figure something out here and do a play on Islamic finance? Yeah. And so 2017, we went into R&D mode, right? So we, we put together a legal team, an audit team, a Sharia advisory team, and we got them all to the table. And we said, we need to solve this problem. And you guys are the people that can make it happen. And so for two years, we basically battled on what was illegal because what the Sharia board proposed was always illegal and whatever the legal team proposed was always haram. <laughs> and so it was just, it was trying to find that middle ground, you know, and, and ba basically go do this back and forth dance. And finally, two years later, we were confident that we could put a product into the marketplace. And then we launched Menzel with the intention of saying, okay, let's see how far we can take this, knowing that we built a foundation on Sharia first, right? right? And then started to kind of build uh, that growth and scale model. That makes sense. I want to ask you a question based on what you said, Brother Muhammad, uh, before we get to Osama as well, because I have a few questions for you on how you grew that. But how did you put that team together? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have ideas, right? A lot of people think the way that you're thinking and they think, you know what, Muslims need this. Muslims need a solution like this. We need to put together a team. We need to build this company. And then what happens, that idea stays, on, if we're lucky, it's on paper. Most of the time it stays in their minds, right? You actually went out there, you put a team together, you got the people that you needed to actually make this a reality. Now, I just want to know a bit more about the process that you went through to do that. I mean, did you just go and say, listen guys, I have a, a vague business plan here of what we can possibly do. Are you willing to help me on this? Like, what was your approach with putting yeah, this together? I don't think it's any of that. Like, you know, we always look at entrepreneurs and we, the differentiation between the good ones and the bad ones or the ones that ha like have a business and don't have business is execution, right? Like mm -hmm. we all know that. Yeah. So I always came from a mindset of, of focused execution. And so how did I put these people into place? Honestly, it's, 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 I think the other aspect of being an entrepreneur is networking, right? So, you know, 
it, I'm coming out and saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, you know, you start to get people that are slowly on board with your idea or like, Hey, I can help on this front. It's not even help. Right. Because they're all charging a thousand bucks an hour. Like these wall street, these Bay street <laughs> lawyers. Right. Like, so it is expensive, but you know, I think the critical piece is finding the expertise focused on what you're trying to do. There are so many law firms here in Canada, but you'd be surprised once you start to knock on those doors and they'll be like, yeah, we don't have an expert in this space. And it's not Islamic finance real estate. It, it would just be general like residential real estate transactional documentation, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really, that took a while in terms of like, how do I find these people? And then once you find one person, they start to connect you with all the other missing pieces that you need to bring into place. And then on the Sharia side, you know, there are so-called individuals here that understand this pace. They, a lot of the networking is involved internationally because like Canada is not an Islamic finance economy or environment. And so, you know, Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, like we just got lucky by being introduced to the right people and then being able to put them on. The, I'm not saying that it happened right away. But like, imagine, like, I look at this as like a lifelong journey, like ever since I graduated from my BSc in 2007. So I look at all of these as all the pieces being put into place in order to set me up to make this happen. And that's sometimes we as entrepreneurs don't, uh, don't want to agree with, right? That, you know, the timing is not right, that you don't have all of the right pieces in place to make this thing happen and move it to the next level because there's so many failed attempts that happen along the way and i can't tell you how many times i wanted to give up but imagine imagine going through two years between lawyers and sharia advisors and you have no product and they're telling you that this can't happen or you know this is not within the confines of the current law unless you change law and you're paying for it <laughs> like you're paying for advice and you're paying for wow. research and with no results, right? <laughs> wow, Michelle. But, 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 but I think yeah, all ahead. that all that being said, though, I think um, CEO or anybody leading a company has to have a knack for you know just finding the right people. Right? You just you just know sometimes, right? right? You sit with the right people. And you're like, you know, yeah, I've got to have this person on team. And we see these with with a lot of the top notch CEOs and and leaders in general, where they spend a lot of their time, you know, not just hiring the right people, but putting the right people in the right seat, so to speak. Like like we read in Jim Collins, a great book, uh, Good to Great by his, and in uh, half of that book is about pretty much right uh, eyeing out the right people, seeking them, and bringing them. But there's also the butaka aspect. Let's not forget that. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the fact that we sat down and we got together, there's a lot of baraka when when the uh, project itself, the essence of the project, there's a lot of khair in it, right? There's a lot of, there's there's this um, uh, hereafter aspect of it, right? Where it's not just about this world. Uh, ultimately, uh, we're trying to eradicate riba from the face of this earth, starting with Canada. So there's there's a lot of tawfiq. Uh, uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to sort of at least, you know, put the right people there in front of you to begin with. Uh, alhamdulillah. So I think that's important to know. Alhamdulillah, definitely. And you mentioned a really important point and that I'm going to touch upon both of what you guys said with Muhammad with number one, the determination and really the the drive to never give up is I think what resonates from the story that you shared with me because with a lot of entrepreneurs that we speak to, uh, we coach a lot of entrepreneurs as well with Umarpreneur and 
I think the biggest thing, the biggest differentiator between those who succeed and those who fail is really that drive to never give up because you will face challenges. You will face a lot of temporary failures or learning lessons, as I, as I like to call them. And the difference between success and, and really failure is, did you stop once you met that challenge? Did you stop once you faced a roadblock? The people who didn't stop, eventually they find success. The ones who do, then it's only when you give up that it becomes failure. But if you don't give up and you keep going, then it's just a temporary defeat or a learning lesson. So I just want to highlight that. And it's really inspirational. It just goes to show the attitude required to make something like that happen. That's a, that's an amazing point. And I think if you think of the story of Nuh, yeah, right? 950 years. Now yeah. that's commitment. <laughs> you <laughs> want commitment? That's commitment. So I think the, the Quran time and time again teaches that, that point, you know, not to give up and to keep at it because ultimately you're doing it, you know, there, there's, it's not about you. Yeah. Uh, it is in a sense, at least, uh, you know, you, 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 you have your interest in mind, no doubt, but it, there is that selfless aspect where, you know, you're, you're providing something true for the community that they really want to be a part of and have been waiting for. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I just wanted to add to that on, on yeah. the aspect that you were talking about, just that uh, that dedication or determination. You know, the challenges get harder and harder as the years go by, right? And you only realize that once you look back, because you're like, oh, at the at the time, at every single point for every challenge, they're like insurmountable. Like you're like, how am I going to overcome this? But you look back and you're like, man, that was an easy one, right? Like that was that, that was a one foot wall. What I'm facing right now is like a 10 foot wall and I have to have like a 60 inch vertical in order to jump over it, right? But uh, I think if you keep the, and, and, and I think that's what happens and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us based on our strengths, right? He's not going to give you a test that you can't overcome. And I think if you keep that, um, in perspective, even with even the challenges on the on the day to day life or business life, I look at those challenges as softly like grooming me over time to be able to withstand the the more the bigger challenges that are coming my way. It's like you know you're, you're getting a scratch and then more scratches and then the cut gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But you know what? At the end of the day, the healing process might take a lot longer but the outcome is you're going to heal, right? So we have to keep that in mind. Definitely. And I think to kind of build up on that as well is that as an entrepreneur, and I always tell that to my students, and it's it's not that the problems become easier, it's that you just become better at dealing with them, right? And as you grow, you realize like something that might have really cut deep in your first year of business, now it's you realize this is like barely a scratch, you know, like, and I can yeah. deal with this easily. And I think that comes with experience and with, with actually going through that process. The, 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 the other thing I want to add, you know, on that piece about focus, right? Focus is a very key piece and people don't understand what focus is. I'll tell you what focus is. When I started with this idea and like we were just, you know, in R&D mode, there were so many people trying to give me advice. Muhammad, do this. Muhammad, do that. Oh, you know, this has been tried already. Um, you know, you know how many Emiratis and how many Saudi princes have tried to get a bank license from Canada and build a bank? Like, I'm like, I'm not here to build a bank today, right? That's the goal. But mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, what these guys spent in lawyers and legal fees, so that OSFI can determine what I cannot can and cannot do. 
So I looked at everything from a reverse. I looked at it from the ground up. I said, this has to be uh, a grassroots effort, right? We will basically do what we're allowed to do within our licensing uh, framework. And then we will start to add on slowly and expand that, right? Everyone else wanted to go big right from the beginning. And that just takes time. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not going to get any type of result in two years or three years, even a year, you're going to give up, right? So you want to have something that's encouraging you along the way. And it's all those small wins. And, you know, if I listened to everybody and I didn't have my own intuition, my own instinct, and I stayed the course that I needed to stay, we would not, Menzel would not be where it is today with respect to kind of, let's say it's progress, it's growth and all of these other things that we see, right? Uh, it would have been much slower. I could have been de deferred or detracted. And you as an entrepreneur at the top have to accept the positive and the negative. You have to be willing to accept, right? Because you're the one making those decisions, right? I tell my team all the time, at the end of the day, if we're making a decision and if anything goes awry, it's it's my bad. Like I will take full responsibility for it. And if we succeed, that means that the whole team has been has succeeded on that initiative, right? And so that's what you need to come to terms with. And if you can't come to terms with, then you're not the right person to make those decisions to lead the charge. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Taking responsibility think, is so huge. Yeah, please, Basama. Uh, I think also a big credit goes to the family in terms of support. I think you know having them on board and their support goes a long way, right? Because those sleepless nights and hours and countless hours of work, and there, there are no hours in entrepreneurship. You're working day in and day out. So, you know, their patience also. So making an effort to get their buy-in and explain to them the vision and, and, and the mission behind this uh, and what it means both, uh, you know, for us, what wakes us up in the morning is that, you know, um, we're making an effort to remove the curse of the Prophet Sallallahu to remove the, the war from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. Riba is a very serious thing. Uh, and, you know, when you have that end goal in perspective, you, every day, that's kind of like the motivating factor. That's the push. So having that family support and including them, I think, is key. And they've been, mashallah, amazingly patient and, and supportive. So I think that it's, it's very important to give them credit for that. So whether you're married or not, any sort of support system that you have to get their buy in, I think that's key as well. Definitely, definitely 100%. And I think uh, the support system is what will allow you to keep going, as you mentioned, because when you don't have that, it's kind of like everything's on your shoulders. But with a team, with the right family, with the right support, that's when you can, you know, change the world and make an impact larger than you ever thought possible, mashallah. And hopefully that's what you guys are on your way to doing. And you've already started so, so well, mashallah, with Menzil. And I want to ask you, because this project, right now you're on your second round of funding, mashallah. And I, I looked at the um, the funding round and you've already surpassed the goal of what you were shooting for, from what I've seen. So mabruk to that. That's an amazing <laughs> milestone. What was it like getting your first funding round, you know, when you first had to get your initial investment to start this project? I'm guessing, did it go as well as the second? What, what happened there? You, you know what? I, I tell people, I look back and I'm like, man, that first round was easy, as hard as it was, right? <laughs> like, because, because the, 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 it's not a problem, but what happens is every single funding round, the expectations are higher and higher, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine, like, okay, imagine, like, my first funding round, I'm coming to an investor, and I'm like, I have this idea, I think I can make it happen, you know, I have, you know, these types of degrees, I have this experience, and then you're just like, okay, we think Muhammad can do it, right? 
Yeah. Now it's like, well, what have you done since then? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, okay, we you get you got this money. What did you do with it? Right? Did you deploy it effectively? Um, and you know, what is the growth that came from that? Right. And so the expectations continually so I tell my guys, I'm like, man, looking back, even though it was a struggle, it was like a 12 month kind of like investor roadshow. And alhamdulillah, like we have people that are unconditionally supportive of us. Um, you know, it was a friends and family and like super angel type round and, you know, mostly non-Muslim right now. Like we, we have many Muslim investors, but that's just because I think the Muslim community has been burned before about these ideas. And they're like, well, we haven't really seen anything come to fruition or being executed properly. And so that it was very strategic to go after the Muslim community in this round versus the first round, because we needed to prove to them that this is a real thing. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a business that is, uh, you know, has revenue. We have products in the marketplace. People are in, in homes using the Menzel mortgage product. So it was, a, it, it became very strategic. And so, um, you know, alhamdulillah, this round is not finished in the sense of what our overall target is. It is above target in terms of our crowdfunding campaign, which is awesome because when you're in a B2C business or business to consumer uh, type model, you know, these consumers become your advocates. They become your advocates. They become your ambassadors. You know, they they, they open up accounts with you. Uh, all, they, you know, start to use all of your products. And, you know, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight. And you have that exponential growth factor that starts to click, kick in. And we've definitely seen that over the last nine months, especially under, you know, this realm of a pandemic. It's been absolutely phenomenal, like when you think about it. And to add to that, Muhammad, I think you you brought a very important point, which is the non-Muslim support. I think you know I'm I'm here as the marketing piece, but ultimately the you know all the credit really goes to the co-founders. So one of the main co-founders and our COO is Sam Holico, who's a non-Muslim, who's the person that pretty much pushed Muhammad said, "You've got to do this." You've got to go for this. Maybe you could share a little about that, Muhammad. I yeah, like uh, we were, we were both at a, a, a like we were friends at a, the other fintech that we came from, and you know we were just always brainstorming ideas. And he never knew anything about Islamic finance, so I just shared it with him, and he's like, "Okay, well, you're telling me that there's this huge market that's untapped. It's niche. Why <laughs> hasn't anybody done it?" And you know, me coming from finance. I'm like, well, we need so much money to build a bank and do all these things. How am I going to get that? And he's like, no, why don't we just put up a website? I can put up like some simple waitlist form. And he actually started working on it before I even like knew about it. He would just like bring me in. He'd be like, oh, Muhammad, I want to show you something. And I'm like, what is this? And I was like, it's a website <laughs> with like a form. And like, you know, we would go to Riz, which is reviving the Islamic spirit conference. And it was just like, let's just bring awareness to what we're trying to do. We didn't have any products in the market. We're just like, we're going to do this. Is this something you're interested in? And it was a lot of market research and just gathering that feedback. And that feedback was very critical because, you know, product market fit, a lot of people said, okay, you know, Muhammad, there's, there's founder market fit, right? Like, you know, he's the right founder for this market based on background and all that stuff. But how do you get product market fit? And that's where Sam's, you know, experience came into play. And the two of us really it was kind of a yin and yang situation, right? Like we played off each other's strengths and weaknesses 
And, you know, it just, be, it happened to be so fortuitous that this ended up being what it was. And, and, and you know, and, it, and again, it goes back to the team, right? I think on every element, it's been a blessing. Even, you know, even our CFO, uh, Mustafa Al-Kalza, an amazing individual who's back on like his father, um, um, Allah's blessing upon him, he passed away. You know, he, he frequently talks about how it was his dream to kind of like solve this piece. And then the fact that Allah aligned him up, you know, with Menzil, you can imagine what kind of drive and, and, and push he has uh, for this project. So everyone, that, that team, right, and key players, uh, subhanAllah, it's been nothing but a blessing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and how I reached out to Osama, actually Mustafa reached out to me, right? He was like, you know, let's talk. And he was just like, I want to help any way I can, whatever, like, doesn't matter. Like, so, like, the team is has made so many sacrifices, mashallah. Uh, I am so blessed oh. to have this team. Um, you know, we, we all have our own personal struggles, our own financial struggles, but like when you keep the eye on the prize, right? About the effect and the impact that this makes on Canadian society to start with, and inshallah on a global scale, um, you know, you start to forget about all that, right? Because I, I tell people, I say, listen, like, there's 1.6 million Muslims in Canada growing to 3.2, like doubling over the next 10 years, which not only makes us the fastest growing demographic in Canada, but the largest, uh, the second largest religious base after Catholicism. And yet we have the lowest participation rates of homeownership and the lowest participation rates of capital markets. And it's not because of our balance sheets. Like you look at statistically, you know, we have uh, nationally, uh, you know, on average six figure household incomes, um, you know, double the national average when it comes to education, like post-secondary education. So you're like, okay, there's a bunch of professionals. There's a bunch of, you know, well-educated individuals with good incomes. Why don't they have the wealth that these other people have? have? And it's because there's been a lack of products. And so we're not, what we're trying to do is enable that wealth, right? Like I tell people, it took 30 years for halal food industry in Canada to get to where it is today. Mashallah, it's mainstream. You probably go into restaurants and they don't even advertise halal, but they're buying halal meat, right? Like you, and everybody just knows what it is. And I was born here, right? I used to travel with my dad 20, 30 kilometers at the time, which was like a road trip to go to that one halal butcher to get it. Imagine if Islamic finance was available then, where would the community's wealth be today? And imagine the zakat, like zakat al-mal that could come from that to better society overall in Canada, right? That's the piece, right? That we keep forgetting is, is the sustainability effect, right? The impact on the needy, the poor, the destitute, the orphan. These are all things that can be created by having a participatory uh, you know, financial services industry. Yeah. And I think you're talking about second and third order consequences, Muhammad, which is something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about, and it should fall into every aspect of your decision making. A quick example of that is, for example, when you for when you want to buy a new big screen TV at home, people think the only consequence to that is the, let's say, thousand dollars I'm putting in to buy this TV. But they don't think second order consequences. Now that there's a bigger TV, I'm going to spend more time on it. Third order <laughs> consequence, spending more time on it means I'm spending less time on my family, my relationships, my work, things I need to do. And it's the same thing with you, Muhammad. You're saying, look, we're going to build this first 
The first thing we're building is a halal investment solution, a halal finance solution. But what is the second order consequence? Well, because of that, Muslims are able to grow their wealth more. What's the third order consequence? Because they're growing their wealth more, they can contribute more to zakat. We're now help, helping give more in charity. And that is really the right way that every single high-level entrepreneur thinks, right? First, second, and third order consequences. And mashallah, you're just kind of set it intuitively and it's beautiful to see. And I think that is the right way of thinking. And sometimes we don't realize the impact of the things we want to do. And it's only when we realize the impact it's going to have that we can understand the importance of it and why we need to invest so much of our time, our efforts, and really are a piece of ourselves into this. Because I I mean, if I just ask you guys right now, you don't you don't just invest your time. You're literally like your very being is invested into this. And and absolutely absolutely and i i think if we expand on on the third order consequence and i love how you how you put that you know there's so many muslims renting today okay and imagine if these muslims who have the ability to afford a home but they just don't want to because of religious beliefs move from rent to home ownership well how much does that rental free up for those lower income families that aren't able to get into rental, uh, you know, wow. rental properties because, you know, sure. rental vacancies in, across Canada are less than 2%. So, so think about just the general societal impact that that has from enabling, right? So what are we doing is financial inclusion, accessibility through our digital platform, but enabling, right, these individuals to, you know, move up kind of that, that, that wealth ladder but be able to provide for those below them, right? And opening up that access even more, right? From a social housing perspective, um, or even from just a low income housing perspective. Uh, and, I, and, and then you think about kind of the other industries that are being created or impacted vis-a-vis this initiative. So we're affecting legal, right? Like we've created you know, experts in the field of legal under Islamic finance that never had this expertise before. Uh, audit and accounting and consulting, uh, academia, right? So now it has this uh, tertiary effect between across industries, right? Because if you go to the UK right now, I can easily go get an Islamic bank license. And I, there are law firms and consulting firms and audit firms that know exactly what to do to set me up. We don't have that yet in Canada, right? And so why not create a parallel industry right parallel to conventional banking where it's ethical participatory based on the principle of islam and you know you can create gdp from this you can create jobs there's so many people that just want to align their careers with something that is halal and because menzel isn't you know a thousand or ten thousand employee company yet we're not able to fulfill that right People used to come to the course that we teach at Rotman and say, okay, well, now that I have this knowledge, where can I go and get a job in this field? And we would say, go to the GCC, go to Malaysia, go to UK. There is nothing in Canada to accommodate this. But inshallah, we're paving the way for that. Inshallah. Definitely. I want to ask you, Sama, a question. And it's, you are the CMO. So your job was actually to now take this vision and everything that Brother Muhammad is talking about and actually bring it out to the world. And it's not an easy task, right? And you are trying to change consumer behavior. And anytime you're trying to change consumer behavior, you have to justify the extra effort that it takes for someone to adapt to this new behavior. For example, going through your systems and your institutions and your setup versus the standard. Now, of course, you have the religious backing for this, but you still had to 
do some effort in the marketing side to you know present this as really the uh, I would say not only a perfectly legal and valid way to invest in in uh, in a halal manner, but also that it's Sharia compliant and provide the backing for this as well. How did you go about it, and how did you actually market this? Yeah, it's a it's a very good point. It's it's a tricky piece. I mean, uh, ultimately, I like to think of marketing as uh, sometimes I'm asked to summarize like the gist of marketing. I say it's like tickling people's desires just enough for them to sneeze, right? It's that motivating factor. Uh, for them to make that buy. But I, I wanted to think of Menzil more as a movement, right? Like even, you know, for yourself, like it's it's ummapreneur, right? And you put the ummah before the entrepreneurship, right? And you said we have our very beings invested. And that's something I think about a lot where, you know, um, you hear a lot about, you know, hacks for entrepreneurship and business and marketing and do this and do that. But this piece is a bit different, right? Because there is that religious tone to it or, or aspect to it, right? So uh, intention was key and putting God first was something I thought about a lot. You know, first of all, for the Baraka and, and, and also uh, for that movement aspect, right? Like what is it that's really gonna move the Muslim Ummah to understand that this is not just, you know, them trying to purchase a product, but we're trying to change the landscape as a whole for Muslims and non-Muslims, because this is uh, this is not just good for Muslims. Like a lot of times people think of Sharia as halal and haram and do's and don'ts. Um, but, uh, you know, Sharia is actually it's it literally means path to water, meaning path to life. And so, you know, the first piece we had to kind of figure out the credibility and the trust. Right. We, we people had to trust, you know, blindly. At, at, and, and we're there, alhamdulillah, at this point where it's like, Okay, menzil, you don't have to second guess the halal aspect, right? You know, it, it took a lot of work. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of history behind that, but the gist of it is uh, b- between our AOFI compliance, which is, you know, the, the, the main sort of go-to uh, institution for Islamic financing and auditing, that sort of organization, we were able to get compliance. Uh, we're, you know, we're working and finalizing our own and first membership as part of AOFI. Um, so uh, we've gotten muftis on board that, you know, have you know, Menzil was the first for them in terms of, you know, their stamp for Sharia compliance. So it took, took a lot of work and we, we sort of addressed and I had to kind of tackle and focus as a whole, the team, of course, that credibility and that trust factor. And then also that that brand. Right. A lot of times when I would look at um, Islamic finance in general over the world and you visit some of the uh, companies that are attempting it. You know, I got this feel from a marketing aspect, and I love, if you ask the team, I'm, I'm all about design and just everything beautiful. Allahu jamilun yuhibbul jamal. Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. And, uh, and Allah loves, the Prophet ﷺ said, and, and this is key here. He says, Allah loves that when you do something and tutqinhu, right. right, that you do it to its utmost efficiency and in, in the best way and fashion that you can. And that's always a challenge in marketing because obviously we're a small team. And we're, we're growing, alhamdulillah, and, and we, we're very ambitious. But, you know, we're limited. It's not like I'm running or uh, 25 sort of, uh, uh, you know, CMO of a 25 team. But, you know, it's a small team. So we have to pick and choose our battles, so to speak, and what we want to prioritize and focus on. 
But I think a big piece was that trust and credibility from a brand perspective. And we're actually even going through yet another uh, facelift and rebrand that we're planning to launch, inshallah, uh, early 2021. We're excited about it and we've hinted towards it, but it's also addressing that trust and credibility piece because eventually we want to be that end-to-end Islamic bank, right? So from a consumer behavior perspective, it's a learning process. We, we're constantly surveying. We're, we're trying to understand what is it that you know is really going to make the difference and, and, and get their buy-in. But we're we're also being very careful to be very genuine about it all because I think that's key in marketing. I, there's this there's this tone of marketing, right? Whenever you think sales or marketing, you think that they're trying to you know get the best out of you or, or trying to run a quick one by you or you know you're you're being fooled somehow or another. But no, it doesn't have to be that way, right? If you can you can be genuine about it. Um, and and if you do, you'll you'll earn that trust and that credibility, and you won't have to. You know, there's a saying, I think it was sent by a French party, said advertising is a tax for unremarkable products. Right. I like that. <laughs> so, so just imagine, you know, when, when you nail the product really at the, at, at the heart of it, everything about it is pure, is right, is exact with itqan, with perfection, then it sells itself. And right. inshallah, that, that is the intention with Manzil Wallahu Inshallah, definitely, hundred percent. And uh, honestly, that is really the core of any great business. Uh, a lot of people they come to me and they say, "I'm not making a lot of sales right now. My business is not really doing very well. My income is lower than it needs to be." And to be honest, we could we could dance around this all day and look at their marketing and their funnels and their ads and all of that <laughs> amazing stuff. But most of the time, it always boils down to what is your core offer and is it solving a problem, right? That your consumer needs, that your customer needs, right? And are you actually listening to what they need and getting their feedback and adjusting your offer based on that? You guys have been adding more and more to your offer with, well, since the inception of Manzil, right? In your latest, as we mentioned earlier, is car financing. You offer halal mortgages. I want to get your insight a little bit on how that actually works. Like, let's say someone wants to come to you. Someone's listening to this. They're watching this. They're like, I'm convinced this is absolutely the solution for me. I, I'm interested to know how it works. I want to get a mortgage with you guys. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to uh, Islamic financing of residential properties, uh, you know, number one, we're a completely digital platform, right? So, you know, we have an application process that you're going to come in um, and we're going to underwrite you. We're going to pre-approve you before you can do anything, right? Like a lot of people come and say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to buy. Right. Uh, but there are limitations with respect to, well, you know, there is, there's, um, there's criteria that you have to be pre-approved for with us before we can tell you, okay, now you can go and go conduct that purchase. And so we have two main types of, uh, transactions. One is under a murabaha, which is basically like a profit sale model where we would buy the property on your behalf that, that you would choose. And then we would resell it back to you for a profit, right. That is fixed over a, fair, a period of time, right? So for example, you know, you found a property for 500,000 and you came to Menzo and you said, well, I would like to finance this over a 25 year period. So we would put an implicit financing rate and do our calculations. We say, okay, well, we will buy this property for 500. We will sell it back to you for let's say 750. You have 300 payments. And then your fixed payment on a monthly basis is $2,500 a month. Doesn't change, right? That's Morabaha. Whereas uh, in a musharaka, we would go in kashariq or as partners, 
right? So we would act as one partner and you would act as the other. So based on your down payment. So let's say same $500,000 home, you would put, let's say 50% down, which isn't the minimum, but just to make math easy, you'd put 50%, I would put 50% on behalf of Menzel. So we're 50% partners and you would slowly buy out my partnership piece over time using again, an underlying you know, uh, financing price that we would dictate to you and say, okay, Abby, you know, your monthly payment is gonna be again, $2,500 a month for 25 years. And over that 25 year period, you're going to buy me out. So at the end of 25 years, you then own the whole home fully, completely, it's your in your ownership and that's it, right? The, the key piece here is how do these mortgages get funded, right? And that's where our, you know, uh, our fund actually comes into play. And that's what we've been doing a lot of marketing around because number one, there's a major gap in financial literacy, not just amongst Canadian Muslims, but just amongst Canadians in general. And then we have to add the layer of Islamic finance and how that works, right? Uh, and so we've been really focused on, you know, everyone who has any type of investment account, whether it be an RSP, TFSA, you know, um, our ESP, or even like a personal savings account. And this applies to people in Quebec. Like we are not, only Ontario only for our investment products or our, the Menzel portfolios, we are also available in Quebec. And we know that you guys have different types of accounts and different you know, subsidies available. So we're happy to take on that business. But everyone has an account somewhere. It could be at RBC, it could be at CIBC, it could be at Banque Nationale, it could be at Desjardins, Laurentian. We're just saying halalify those accounts through the Menzel portfolios, right? Mm -hmm. Transfer them over to our platform, halalify your rizq, right? Uh, get the baraka and imagine, right, the amount of baraka that you will get from investing in something that somebody then uses to put themselves into a home and makes 300 payments over 25 years in a completely halal form. Wallahu a'lam what the baraka is on that, right? It, it, it'll be a multiplier effect on something like that. But imagine, right, that is where your dollars are going. You are supporting the community. This is a community, a peer-to-peer, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, system that we've created. Is you're helping the community get into halal homes, and at some point, somebody's going to help you. And we've developed a sustainable system to allow for that to happen. Right. Absolutely. Do you have a comment on that, Usama? No, it's very well put, mashallah. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I think maybe the risk piece, but we can uh, get to that at some point. I mean. Um, it, it's something we think about quite often. Um, and if you want you know, me to say a few words of it, I can right now, please, but yeah, I, go I don't it. want to digress. But No, no, let's do it, please. You, you know, subhanAllah. Um, you, you know, we live in a time where it's like, you know, hack this, hack that. Like there's all these hacks to, you know, how to live your life, how to be a proper entrepreneur. And, and all groups and types of people who have methodologies and hacks for various ways of living, but the essence and foundation of their ways are the material means of this world, the means of cause and effect. But for Muslims, it is Allah that ties the cause to the effect, ultimately, mm -hmm. right? We're reminded of that time and time in the Holy Quran. You do this, then this happens, they teach you. You know, like if you do enough of this, if you wake up in the morning and, and read 15 minutes of this book or that book, but for a Muslim, if, you know, it's a little different. Maybe, you know, getting up and reading Quran, but what does Quran have to do reading Quran with, you know, my business running properly? 
I, I like to think of it a little different where you kind of like really shuffle things in our head and, and shake our concepts because it's all a matter of perspective. You know, a usually, you know, if, if you're not non, non-believers in general, uh, respect to everybody, but, you know, you go into business to make money. But a Muslim goes into business to fulfill the commands of Allah in business. It's a completely different perspective. And when he does that, automatically Allah will put barakah in everything that they do. But you have to change the perspective. You have to look at things very differently. Sahaba would look for opportunities, like they might open a business or get into a line of business they've never been into because there's a command of Allah related to that, that they can only fulfill if they get into that, right? It's it's almost like um, you can't fulfill you, you, the Prophet ﷺ said the best of viewers, the best to their spouses, to their wives. And how are you going to do that if you don't get married? <laughs> right? Uh, ultimately, you have to get married to fulfill that peace. Right? So in the, in the same concept, like you have to get into business to fulfill the rights, the hukuk. Uh, I like a word that scholars say. They say, الدنيا دار الحقوق والآخرة دار الأجور. They say the dunya is, the, is, is a place of rights. There's the rights of Allah first and foremost upon you, the rights of your parents, the rights of your boss, the rights of your spouse, very important, the rights of your children. You know, you've got to figure those out. And nowadays we're in the business of, I'm, I'm constantly asking for my rights to be fulfilled, but the Sahaba would, would forgive their rights and are very cautious about fulfilling the rights of others. That's true selfless notion, right? And are we, are we getting into, are we purchasing menzil products because they're cheaper or better? Or is it first and foremost because it's halal? Because it's pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So this is, that's another point. So risk and how it sort of connects to all this, it's not how does, uh, you know, risk connect or relate to entrepreneurship. It's actually how does entrepreneurship relate to risk? It's, it's the other way around. Inna Allah, Allah says, Inna Allah, huwa razzaqu mateen. If you if you really understand the Arabic language, you'll find that Allah emphasizes and re-emphasizes using key Arabic words. Allah could have simply said, Allah huwa razzaq, but He says Inna, and the word Inna means surely, indeed. So first, Allah start starting with surely. So be sure of it, no doubt. Uh, and then he could have just said but again he says to re-emphasize surely Allah he is the razaq and if you're doubting it if you have any doubt how the the all-powerful the almighty so we have to have first and foremost no doubt that it's, it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah says, فَمْشُوا فِي مَنَاكِبِهَا Right? That, you know, make the, take the means and go by. You have to take the means. That's We live in a world of cause and effect. Right? But ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hid his qudra and his power behind the means to test us. To see, do we really think that rizq is coming from my nine to five job? Or is it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's doing it? Because Allah says, uh, we made this entire system, uh, this zina, this play of cause and effect as a test for what? And, and this is key here. 
He didn't say لِنَبْلُوَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ أَكْثَرُ عَمَلَ Who out of them is more in actions and deeds? He said أَحْسَنُ It's the quality, not the quantity. And that's why deeds are weighed and not counted on the Day of Judgment. So it's very important that we get the perspective right. And we do this a lot with menzil internally. We have these monthly sittings where we renew our intention. We make sure that uh, we, our thing is God before people and people before profit. That's Beautiful. it. If, if I can sum it up for menzil, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. MashaAllah. And that's beautifully said, brother. And honestly, I think if there is a, 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 the vision, if there's a company that I would love to invest in, it would be one that holds these beliefs and holds these ideals because... Yeah, you have your checkbook ready? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, if you guys want to invest right now, there's still opportunity to do this with the funding, right? I mean, people can yes. actually go and be part of it. So, guys, I mean, this is your chance. Like, go be part of this. I know I will be, mashallah. And it's your opportunity. I'll drop the link for sure for the funding in the description so that people can go and contribute and be part of this because mashallah, I mean, just a lot of, I mean, we have a lot of questions coming in. We're going to dive into them in a, in a minute, but some of the questions already, uh, I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers, but for example, some might think or might say, you know, Marabaha system might be more expensive. You know, there, there might be certain costs associated to that. But as you mentioned, what are you investing in really? Where is your money going? Right. And as you mentioned, is it going to a company that has these ideals? of God before profit? You know, does it have these ideas of people before profit? Does it have a certain vision of building something that will benefit the entire Muslim Ummah for generations to come? Because that is value in itself. And as a community, and we talk about this a lot, and part of Ummahpreneur, and the reason why it was even created in the first place is because as a community, as Muslims, there is a lack of support and enterprise within our community, I feel. And even when there is enterprise, then there is a lack of support from the community for these enterprises. Unfortunately, when you look at communities like the Jewish community or even the Catholic community, they are very supportive of each other when they open a business, when they start a certain project. And they always make sure that they, if they, if they do business with someone, they're paying more than what they're asking just to make sure that that person is having success. But subhanAllah, some, a lot of times you... Meet a Muslim and they're like, well, brother, can you just give me a discount? And it's like, but you're hurt. <laughs> brother. Like, shouldn't you be giving more to help them grow their business? You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't you, find, shouldn't you be looking actively for Muslim solutions and, and service providers to help you instead? And I think with our generation, mashallah, with you guys, what you're doing at Menzil and with all these Muslim entrepreneurs that are now, you know, leading the charge, I can see this change happening. I can see that now there is in need for this. And as you mentioned, Muhammad earlier in the podcast, we're like 30 years late, but at least it's happening. And there's a need. <laughs> and it for won't it. take 30 years, inshallah, to get to where the food industry no, got to today. Inshallah, right? Hopefully inshallah. it's a lot shorter. So we'll be able inshallah. to accelerate that growth. 100%. And, and that's really the vision behind Umarpreneur of creating Muslim business owners so that we can have these solutions within our communities, support each other, you know, keep the wealth within the community and grow the community and even change the narrative. Because let me just say one thing. You, Muhammad, you're the CEO of Manzan, mashallah, and you are working with a non-Muslim, right? You're working with a non-Muslim co-founder. Now, what do you think is the impact to your co-founder when he works with you actively and with your team and witnesses day to day your values, how you go about doing your work, how dedicated you are to providing the solution? How is that going to change his view on Islam and Muslims? And when you interact with clients, when you interact with investors that are non-Muslim, how is that going to change their views? Right. And that is what it means to be an Ummah printer. And you guys are very much a living testament to that. And even when I 
speak to my students and I tell them, you know, when you create these solutions, these services, every client you serve, you are speaking for Islam. You are acting as a representative of the religion. And that is an opportunity for you to change the narrative one person at a time. So I just want to give a quick shout out to that, guys. Like, honestly, mashallah, your project is amazing. Barakallah. No, may Allah reward you. If, if I can say something about the, the non-Muslim piece, like, we, first of all, we love Sam to death. Like, he's just an incredible guy, very funny, very down to earth. Like, I, I don't say this, and I know he's probably listening or will listen to this, but Allah is my witness. Like, he's an incredible human being. Now, you know, that being said, I think uh, ultimately, you know, it, we're not out there to convert Sam you know, to Islam. <laughs> no, I, for sure, of course. Yeah, you know, I, I think what it is is, you know, first and foremost, as Muslims, we have to get our own selves in order, yeah. right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can preach all you want and, and share all you want, but when you look at Muslims, like you said, it's like, well, you know, can I get a discount? Like, but is that what Rasulullah sallallahu he would, and when he would trade, he would bargain, the scholar said, when he would come to buy something, he would bargain until the person might sweat in front of him. So bargaining was there. But when he would agree on the price without telling him, he would give him more than what they agreed upon. Mm -hmm. So it was that element of surprise. This, this was the akhlaq of, that was the balance of Rasulullah. And there's nothing wrong with bargaining. There's nothing wrong with trying to get a good deal from Menzid. But we have to understand that it, you know, it's a process. Uh, it, it, first of all, when you really compare the Murabaha product we have now, or even the Musharaka product to what's out there, if you compare, and I'll let Muhammad maybe uh, touch up a little bit more on that, but like uh, he, he's taught us this, when you really are looking at apples to apples, because most of the times you're not, you're not comparing the same thing, Menzil's actually even a better financial deal. It's not just the fact that it's great, yeah, definitely halal, and that's that's first and foremost what you your concern should be and we need to realize that in the beginning just like with halal food it might have been more expensive but then you know when there was mass adoption eventually now it's even cheaper than non-halal options and sometimes you walk into restaurants that don't advertise the fact that they're selling halal food but they are because it's a better deal for them at the end of the day and inshallah we'll get there uh, uh, at some point but that shouldn't be the driving factor for sure. And that a concept of supporting and being there and being the first to back the project and being part of that sadaqa jariya. Mm -hmm. Like, just, just try to imagine that. Like, you were part of the reason that riba was eradicated. Like, do you understand what it means to remove the curse of Rasulullah? And we're not judging anyone. We're all full of mistakes and faults, and we all have our own struggles. We are by no means perfect. But this is the piece that we are genuinely trying to solve for the Muslim ummah, and, and even for non-Muslims, because banks are in the business of maximizing profits and, and minimizing risk, right? It's, it's like, uh, like Muhammad beautifully puts it, it's, it's predatory, right? It's not participatory. Whereas, you know, for Islamic finance is looking out for the best interest of the whole. Right, the people, the people first. So, uh, but I let Muhammad share maybe a little bit more uh, about that piece. But intention is key. We always have to put Allah before everything. We have to realize that Menzil is going through, you know, a, a process. But inshallah, um, I'll let Muhammad maybe say a little bit more about that comparison piece and the fact that you're actually even getting a better deal when you're going with Menzil. Yeah, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, Osama, in the sense that, like. In Canada, mortgages revolve around a five-year fixed close. Like 98% of mortgages in the conventional space are that. 
we don't have closed mortgages. What does that mean? It means you're not paying a penalty to prepay or get out of our contract, right? So that in and of itself saves you money, right? Because every, there are so many stories, especially during this pandemic, where people had to pay $15,000 or $20,000 just to get out of their mortgage, right? So when you add those costs, well, really, what is your rate at the end of the day? So we're coming up front and saying, you know, based on the principles of Islam, um, you know, there's no prepayment or any type of penalty whatsoever uh, to get out of your contract. The other piece is, well, we can take a mortgage and fix your payment up to 25 years on a murabaha. Go to any bank today and say, what is your 25-year fixed rate? They say, we don't have it. Like, it's not available, right? You can yeah. go to the States. They have 25 and 30-year mortgages. But in Canada, that is not available. And in fact, our, our 25-year rate is actually cheaper than what the bank's 10-year rate is right that they're promoting and the 10-year rate is like few and far between like they don't even like to offer it because there's just not enough secondary you know capital uh, available for it so there really is no product like what we've created like even amongst the non-muslims we we've had inquiries say like i'd love to get a 15-year fixed mortgage from you guys or a 20-year <laughs> fixed mortgage like how can that be and that's just that's just the the participatory piece. That is just the ethical piece. That is just the the morale piece, right? So, would anyone that wants more details on this program, please feel free to email us at salam at menzil.ca. Uh, Abby or Osama, you can just like add, you know, give them because it's salam with two A's. It's not S A L A M. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some people forget that, but yeah, we're more than happy to to entertain these questions and uh, and ask them uh, and give them the details that they need before they make a decision. Inshallah. Beautiful. I know, Brother Osama, that you have to go to another meeting. So I just wanted to quickly thank you for taking the time to actually sit with us today, to share with us your story, share with us the vision behind Manzil and really the purpose that drives this project forward. And I think that is the most important thing to touch upon because it really gives us an insight into the work that you guys are doing. And not only that, but the intention behind it. And I think that is what's most important. So thank you for that, Mohammed. We're going to keep Osama for a little bit longer because we have a few audience questions lined up, inshallah. But I just want to thank you, Mohammed. I know you got to go. So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Jazakallah khairan, Abby, and to uh, the Ummahpreneur uh, audience, uh, Barakallahu Fikam. And inshallah, you may see Barakah in this initiative and Amen. appreciate Amen. everyone joining us today. Thank you. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Brother Osama, thank you for staying for a few more minutes. We have a few questions piled up. So it seems like the numbers and the comments are still not sinking, but I got my team sending them to me. So we're going to go through a few, inshallah. Before we wrap up, he was generous enough to give us more of his time. So I just wanted to really give him some special thanks. No, That's no. who he is as a person, mashallah, and it's a testament to his character. So thank you. Jazakallah khair. So we have a few questions from our community that have come in. And I'll go through a few of them. One of them is from Sister Juman, and she's asking... The traditional banks are backed by the central bank. And in that way, people feel safe borrowing from them and investing in their portfolios. Now, the question is, is Manzil also backed, is Manzil also backed by the central bank? And if not, how do you allay the fears and insecurities of your clients? Very, very, that's a very good question. Um, we've, you know, we've created a Sharia compliant product, right? But the distribution of the product is facilitated through um, a partner uh, we partnered up with a company called Wealth Bar that was later acquired by CI uh, Direct Investing, which is huge because they're owned by CI Financial. And, um, 
you know, they've been trusted by Canadians since 1965. So, you know, if anything happens to CI Financial, we have bigger, you know, <laughs> we have bigger issues at hand. So um, now uh, at, at, at the end of the day, uh, subhanAllah, like, um, you know, there, is there a hundred percent guarantee with anything? This, we, we want to put people at ease um, that we've even created a trust so that if anything happens to Menzil, the trust takes over and your money's safe. And then, you know, new management's put into place and things continue on, you know, smoothly. So we've thought about that piece. We've structured it in a way where it's sort of independent, even of Menzil, if anything were to happen. But Alhamdulillah, like if, if you look at our track record and our history and our partnerships uh, between our car- partnership for prepaid visa cards with Coho, um, you know, what we've raised to date, the plans uh, moving ahead. If anything, uh, the pandemic has, you know, um, people are sitting at home and with extra time sometimes on their hands wondering what to do. They were investing in medicine at the time. So, Beautiful. you know, we've read out actually better in the pandemic. So, uh, and the numbers are there to show it. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't worry too much, uh, subhanAllah, about that piece. That's there. And uh, alhamdulillah, we're around, inshallah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that, brother. We got a few more. And if it's okay with you, I'll kind of share them with you rapid fire, just like we're doing sure. now. Um, sure. So this one is from Sister Idil uh, Isa, and she is asking, a lot of millennials are using Wealth Simple. It's an investment app that you can have on your phone. And her question is, will Menzil have a similar investing app for Muslim millennials? Do you guys offer that? Do you plan to offer that as a service? Look, at the end of the day, Imagine a world where you wake up in the morning, you open up an app and you can not not just invest in this, but like open up a you know halal checking account with a few pushes of a button. Nobody wants to stand in line or visit a bank these days. Uh, Wealthsimple is a great company. Um, I mean, they, they, they do have a you know, Sharia portfolio type product and you know, uh, we, we've actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, communicated uh, uh, on the level of their C-suite and, uh, you know, we're in talks for a few things here and there. Uh, but, you know, we, we like what they're doing because at the end of the day, you know, they also are creating opportunities for, for, uh, for Muslims to be included, right, from a financial perspective. So, um, but you never know what the, the, the future has in store. Uh, and I think, yes, eventually, to answer your question down the line, we want to have it all. I mean, fintech, uh, digital, the works from open up your checking account to eventually even think of student loans, uh, you know, financing your car, getting your halal card, visa card with Menzin, uh, all that noise. Uh, and we have a lot of things that I can't really discuss at this point uh, that we're cooking, but stay tuned, inshallah. Inshallah, that's awesome to hear because I think that would be amazing. Do you offer right now, even on the website, like halal investments in terms of stocks or are you focusing more on mortgages? And as a very good question. Yeah. No, very good. We, so we have our income fund, which is for investing in, in these mortgages. But we also have uh, we partnered up with uh, Wahid Invest. OK, uh, if you're fil- familiar yes. with them to, to yeah. handle the equity side. So when you actually go to menzil.ca forward slash invest or click on halal money, you know, just click on any of those buttons to get started. And what you do at some point, you'll be redirected to the uh, CI Direct that facilitates your investment that we've partnered with. But eventually you're asked to choose one of four portfolios and based on your risk tolerance, 
So if you're not very risk averse, you can put 100% of your money into the Menzel Income Fund, which you know pays a target return of about three to four percent. Less risky, but obviously the return is less. But it's actually pretty good given uh, what yeah. we have there. And uh, or if you're a bit more risk averse, you can do like a balance, choose a balanced portfolio where it's like 50-50, and we would put 50% of investment into the Wahid. Uh, uh, portfolio, which is, which is basically a uh, portfolio of uh, Sharia compliant stocks, right? And mm-hmm. and they've uh, done pretty well during the pandemic uh, as well. So pretty much, if you've invested with Menzil uh, in the last uh, you know eight nine months or so, uh, you've seen a positive. Alhamdulillah, you've seen a positive return mm-hmm. so far. And um, yeah, so there is that side, there is the equity side, and there are more products, inshallah, that we're going. But say you have right now, and this is out there, let's say you have an existing RRSP, an existing RESP, right? Transfer that over to Menzi. It's a, no, it's a no-brainer, right? Like now, because people ask, is our RESPs halal? It, it, it's the wrong question. RESP in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It's what your money's being invested in when it's put in RESP, that's the issue. So with Menzil, it's being invested in the halal uh, way. So, so if you have an existing RESP, RSP, support the movement in that way. Transfer those investments over the Menzil. You can easily do that. Uh, CI Direct takes care of all the work. All you have to do is upload uh, a statement for whatever uh, uh, registered account you have, and, and, and they'll handle it. So yeah, we handle financing. We also handle investments. That's amazing, mashallah. That's really, really nice to hear. I definitely need to transfer everything over because I didn't even know that was an option. So that's amazing, mashallah. So if you're listening to this, make sure to go check out, and is it manzil.com or manzil.ca? It's .ca. I'm going to leave the link right now. Check out specifically the invest page that I just shared there right now. And it's menzil.ca. You can find all our products. On Perfect, there. guys. So we're going to drop that link in the description. We're going to drop it in the comments right now. So no matter where you're listening, where you're watching, you're going to find it. It's menzil.ca slash invest. And we got one last one from the audience before we wrap up, inshallah. And this one is, why, why is there or why isn't there a global payments app made by Muslims? So that's a really interesting question. Or do you guys even plan to do that? Which means something like maybe PayPal, something like Stripe. That people used to pay online is that is that i mean i don't want you to spoil if you don't if you don't want to but would that be a possibility Let, let's just say it's a great idea <laughs> all right awesome awesome beautiful mashallah. let's just I say it's it. a great idea yeah mashallah. so what's what can we what can we expect from manzil in the future that you can tell us before we wrap up inshallah for you guys in terms of 2021 i mean keep an eye out for the revamp in terms of uh and you know uh, the general feedback on our website, uh, is, is everyone loves it, the brand, they love it. But I think we're taking things up even uh, a, not, a little not, a notch higher. Uh, and I think they're going to love what they find in terms of the new brand and website. Product-wise, uh, the partnership with Coho is pretty exciting. There's something we have in store, especially for uh, people who are new in Canada or visiting. I can't share that just yet, but in terms of the prepaid visa, uh, card and and what we have in store for that. I think just uh, overall, right now, uh, there's the uh, car financing piece. It's still uh, on waitlist mode, but we're working to launch that. There's many products coming, alhamdulillah, things we have lined up on the investment side. On the financing side, there's the Musharaka piece. If you have an existing home that you want to sort of switch over to Menzil, you can do that now because you couldn't previously do that with Murabaha. Uh, so there's those two, Musharaka or Murabaha on the home financing side. There's the halal prepaid uh, visa cards uh, with Coho. Uh, there's uh, uh, something we're uh, cooking uh, on the car financing side. 
Um, and uh, that's generally it right now. The, on the investment side, there's the income fund and all the registered and everything pretty much on the stock or equity side of things. But just in the future, to be honest, we want we want a full rounded all in all solution. We want a one stop shop for Islamic finance. Think of it that way. That is the long term, inshallah, plan. Make a lot of dua for us. We need it. We can't do it with without your support. Uh, if you want to support Menzil, visit menzil.ca slash invest and transfer those registered accounts, invest whatever it is that you can afford to invest. If you can't invest, the least you could do is spread the word, inshallah, uh, uh, and make dua for us. Inshallah, definitely. Brother, thank you so much for coming on. I was just going to ask you, where should people go? But you just shared it. So that's amazing, mashallah. We're going to drop all that. Marketing, marketing. (laughs) You already knew what you needed to do. So that's perfect, mashallah. But really, truly, jazakallah khair. Thank you for your time. Honestly, there's nothing more precious that anyone could give you that is more precious than their time. And you've just took some of your time, your valuable, you know, a piece of your life and shared it with us today, shared your knowledge, your wisdom, your expertise. So I just want to truly thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this. And maybe a saying that comes to mind about time and it's great advice from an entrepreneurship perspective in general that I've heard time and time. Right? Time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, it cuts you. You have to get that time management in place. Uh, First and foremost, for the sake of Allah, every minute counts. Make it count. Have that intention first and foremost for Allah and everything that you do. I want to thank Ummah Pranur. Thank you. You've been a wonderful host, mashallah, full of energy, bright energy. And uh, you've made it very easy for us. Forgive us if, if there are any shortcomings on our end. Please, we ask you for your continuous du'as and we look forward to watching this and sharing it with our Inshallah. viewers as well and spreading the word for Ummah Pranur. Jazakallah. And we'll be sure to send you some halal menzil socks, inshallah. <laughs> please, please yeah. do. <laughs> I promise I will take a photo and brand it and make sure that everyone sees them, inshallah. Thank you so much, brother. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for watching. Jazakallah khair. Make sure if you're listening to this, watching on YouTube, on Spotify, any of these platforms to subscribe, rate the podcast and follow us for the next episode. And, and- and don't forget to follow Get Menzil on Instagram. That's Get, Get Menzil on Instagram. Menzil. Yeah, Beautiful. Get Menzil on Instagram, guys. Make sure make sure to follow. We'll drop the link in the comments, inshallah. Take care. Mm-hmm.